Hey everybody, and welcome back to Digital Artcast. Um, I'm glad that you are returning for another episode. Um, it really makes me happy that you guys want to come back each and every week uh, that we do an interview. Um, I've definitely noticed in the last couple of episodes that the numbers have been spiking a bit, and it's been good to see that people have taken more interest in the show. Um, so welcome to people uh, new and old. If you're returning for the, the 50th time, if you're just finding us right now, um, I'm glad that you've popped along. Um, it really does mean a lot to me that you listen to these podcasts and make it uh, part of your day. Um, I hope everybody out there is, is still staying safe. Of course, we're still in this lockdown phase uh, for some people. And uh, of course, it's going to be uh, troubling and trying um, during these weird times. But yeah, these episodes are coming thick and fast. And I'm hoping that they're keeping you sane and productive on whatever you're working on. Um, today, uh, I have a, a really great guest to join me. Um, this particular guest uh, I met back uh, at Playgrounds a couple of years ago in Eindhoven. Um, and and yeah, it was it was just a, a pleasure to meet the guy. And I know that I've really you know kept on at his work for the last couple of years and watched his progress. And uh, we finally thought since uh, he's just had another big milestone, we would bring him on and talk to him about his process and everything in between. Um, so today... Uh, please welcome me and uh, bringing along our new guest that is uh, Dana Warrior. Hey, Dana. Hey, man. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, specifically, the milestone we're talking about is that um, The Last of Us 2 has just came out. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on that to Thank you and you. the team. Thank you. I really appreciate um, it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely blown up. The, the game's everywhere. I think... As far as I know, with NPR recently, it just passed, I think, 4 million sales. So doing really, really well. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure the, the team and, and everybody else is, is super excited about that, including the guys at One Pixel Brush. Um, but of course, you left uh, One Pixel Brush a while back. You're, you're, you're freelancing specifically for yourself now. Um, so you've done you've done so much in such a short span of time, it seems, um, because Einhoven Playgrounds, I think that was 20... 17 i yeah, think was true. when i was there so yeah so that was a, a while back so um but yeah just in a short couple of years you've done you've done a lot of work so um yeah so for, where did it all start from you because i don't know a lot about your background or if anybody else knows but um did you go to school specifically for art or um it actually started for me so um my parents so i'm originally from kurdistan iraq my parents came here in 97 so you know first few things that i saw on tv and back in that day was fox kids and cartoon network and like it was filled with rich you know cartoons which like just pushed your yeah, imagination man, as a kid exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and all this stuff and um i always had interest in art i always drew i always loved to draw dragon ball stuff but then it stopped for like a couple of years and then around 19 i actually went to a graphic school design mm-hmm. um i took graphic design for two years and I thought like this is just not it for me so I took a step back and reevaluated see to to see which direction I want to go and uh-huh. I took another direction which is called visualizer uh, in Dutch that means visualizing and the idea was basically kind of illustration and like so it was an illustration class and not necessarily a concept art and Mm-hmm. Um, one of my classmates introduced me to this term called concept art, and I just mm-hmm. was blown away. I remember seeing Dan Lovici stuff and Kekai, and oh, nice. I was like, wow, this, you know, like, I, I, the thing is, is the difference between now and then is like, then you can't just even imagine 
how somebody does something like that, of course. So right. it's, it was so spectacular for me. And from that moment, I just knew like I wanted to do this. So yeah. the first few things I did is like, all right, let's see who these guys are on DeviantArt. So it started from there and then slowly but surely, I think around 12, 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. Facebook started to come up really, really well with artists. So everybody really got connected around that time. Right. And, you know, through this and, and, and kind of getting connected with other people and then finally being able to follow others and... This was all new back in the day. Now it's very normal, of course. But back in the day, this was so new and so great to actually see your favorite artist online. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest break for, I think I have two kind of steps which really helped me a lot. The first one was after I finished my graphic design, I went to another um, college or university, mm-hmm. sorry. But right. the only reason I did that is just because I have Middle Eastern parents and they were like, yeah, diploma is what you need. So I thought like, all right, <laughs> if I had to do that and make them happy, at least I'll do yeah. something towards art, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I got there. I met. Uh, so one of my teachers, uh, her name is Sonia van Fure. She's also an artist. She saw my work and she was like, uh, man, what, what are you doing here? You have to already, you know, be in the field. But. Obviously, your work doesn't speak about your uh, insecurities, you know. Right. So, as, and and we artists are very insecure on a lot of moments, and you know, at that time, I thought I wasn't ready. So, she arranged an internship at uh, Guerrilla Games. Oh, nice! Uh, which is the studio who worked on Horizon One, Two, Killzone. Yeah. And um, yeah, it slowly started from there. I think I was still wasn't at quality, so I just did prop design. Uh, mm-hmm. for internship for two three months which was mm-hmm. also in my own free time because the uh, teachers were like yeah sorry you can't do an internship you're just at the first year oh, um, right, okay. yeah so i asked them like all right um can i just do it in my free time because i just really wanted it you know so mm-hmm. fortunately they said yes um it kind of showed me the first time how it is in-house within the industry you know Right. So I think yeah. it's very important that artists in general should know the pipeline yeah. before actually taking on big projects. And that's a huge first step as well, though. Like yeah. working in Guerrilla Games. That's a. For, I mean, for it's in Amsterdam as well, but that's that's a that's like the biggest studio in in, in you know ne- Netherlands. Really, it's 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 one of the biggest in the industry. And, and at that time, were they working on? Was it Horizon you were working on at the time? Yeah, it was Horizon One. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I mean, it's, it's, yeah, crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's also, it was also weird because Gorilla was always known for Killzone. So the moment I got there, I just see these happy imagery, imagery and like concept. Like Aloysius drawings lying up in the walls. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was fun to see, you know. Um, yeah, during these moments, I learned a lot about not just you know how to do art or like how to finish an art or how to use this tool or that tool. It's just like kind of more of human connection and like how to you know you see people behave and act within the studio and you kind of try to learn and adapt and try to understand why they do this you know or why they behave in a different like in in a certain way for example i i never took it personal if somebody came over as when they talk to me as if they are cocky or something because i knew like you never know this person next to you maybe has like 20 calls a day so obviously his head is a bit more heated than yours you know so i never took stuff like that personal 
And um, yeah, it was a great experience. After that, I just there was like a small era, period in my uh, in my career. I think around 2014, 15, which I didn't see art really. Like it didn't do me anything anymore, so I just let it go for like half year, five or six, seven months, right. and then like IFCC started. I think the second time IFCC, and I just mm-hmm. bet all my money on that. Like I was like, all right, just have like six, seven hundred euros in pocket, and you just <laughs> buy one ticket and get there. And I knew that Shadi was gonna be there, right? So I just knew like I just want to work for him. That's the thing right. because. For me, the cool thing about Shadi is also he was one of the first few Middle Eastern guys which actually worked in his industry and talked back to me and actually motivated me. It was like, yeah, do, do this, oh, really? do that, you know? So that was such a such a huge leap for me. And when I got to IFCC, it's just crazy to finally in person meet all these guys that you look up to for mm-hmm. years and years to come. And and even noticing that they like you as a person as well. So actually boosted up my confidence, not just about my art, but as as a person as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, then um, I showed my portfolio to Shadi around that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously there were rows and rows of people, you know, showing their work. Right. So I showed mine and he was like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'm taking a break right now from work, but I'm probably going to restart my company. And I think he said around November, Something mm-hmm. like that. And this was around the summer of 2000, if, uh, I think, 16. Yeah. Okay. Summer 2016. Right. Um, so around, so, you know, I, I showed my stuff. I, I mm-hmm. met a lot of guys. It was cool and all. I came back and for half a year, I didn't hear anything from him. And then he mm-hmm. just sent me, a, he popped me a message. Actually, before that funny story, I got, I got a contract from another studio which right. they, like the last minute, last minute they said, sorry, we don't need you anymore. We got somebody else. And then Shadi oh. sent me a message like five hours later or something. Oh, <laughs> what, a, what a chat. Maybe it was Shadi. Maybe it was him that, that, that <laughs> yeah, told exactly. the company not to hire you. <laughs> you don't hire him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, he said like, are you open to <clears throat> excuse me? He's like, uh, are you open to work? I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm, I've been ready, you know? And without actually thinking about the idea of ready, you know, because I never worked professionally in this in the industry, yeah. I did some smaller things, but never like in this capacity or this level of art. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I I started and I just did so horrible the first two three weeks. I remember, and Shani was super nice about it as well. So I'll never forget about that. Like he right. knew which buttons to push from you, even if you failed a couple of times. Right. And um, I he gave me this piece, the Star Wars piece was for a VR game, and you know I was really struggling with it for a month, and st- and, and I just couldn't because the, the reason why I was struggling with it was I was looking at one pixel brushwork, and I was like, okay, I have to look at tutorials that Shadi made because that's the only way to do it. I never right. had the idea of every artist has their own approach. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So that just didn't even go through my head. And right. at that time, it's just, it just was so hard for me. I even had a lot of sleepless nights, you know. And yeah. fortunately, I had I have amazing colleagues had and still see them as good friends now, who yeah. you know like Jad Saber, Florent Lebrun, mm-hmm. Balash, mm-hmm. all of these guys. Like they really supported me mentally and and and, and vice versa, of course. And 
So I, uh, this was three weeks before. So I've been here at one pixel now for a month, finishing right. this image. We sent it finally with it for mm-hmm. feedback and through a little bird, I, I heard that he was working on the last of us two. And this was two weeks before the announcement. So the first right. with Ali playing the guitar. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's this Dutch saying, which says, uh, uh, a no, you already have a yes, you can get. So you already have a no. So you might as well try to get the yes. Ah, okay. So I sent Shadi a message. I'm like, dude, you have to get me on last of us, man. Like I help <laughs> anything, you know, I'll even work. <laughs> and he was so cool about it. He's like, all right, let's see. I'll give you this image and see how far you can get with it. And mm-hmm. you know, from that point on, I just, the way I treated last of us is really not the way I, so far in my career, and that's like four years now, so it's not that far. I've never been so passionate about making images for a, a pro- project as I've done for The Last of Us. Like, I treated every image as it's a personal image. Right. So you, you have that, that connection when you're painting. I mean, that's I mean that's a lot to take in, obviously, with your career and, and joining One Pixel Brush and, and, and all this kind of stuff, going through your first job at Gorilla. I mean, in essence, also, I think what's interesting is you touched on, you know, that Shadi also was Middle Eastern. Um, Was that something that was conscious to you throughout your career? Was that something that maybe came up through different conversations with artists or with companies? Was that something that people focused on? It it was never pointed to me or directed at me, like, you know, straight in my face, like, oh, man, you're Middle Eastern, we don't like you. Or somebody was, (laughs) nobody was really ever racist with me. In that, okay. in that view, but it was just because when I grew up as a brown kid and I grew mm-hmm. up in the, in the south of Holland, which is like mainly Dutch people, and mm-hmm. you, you kind of create this image in your head thinking that you were less, you right. know, so it started from childhood behavior to how I actually feel now. Obviously, I know better now, but at that time, that's how I felt because, you know, Every person, if you look at like something on TV or a movie or whatever, when you see the person, you you, you try to relate to that person, right? And the, right. the closer it gets to you, the better you feel about it. Yeah, of course. Well, we just yeah, we we just as you know, we just done the Black Lives Matter podcast, and a lot of the guys who were talking, even Phil was talking about you know working for Marvel and, and working in Hollywood. He was saying that you know he was struggling as a kid to see him in positions where. He was in a positive role because a lot of people who were black at the time weren't in a lot of positive positions in acting and art and entertainment, anything like that. So um, I think it's a, a saying that like you can't be what you can't see. So to see people of your culture, your heritage in those positions of power is something that you're hoping that more people will want to see because, you're, you know, for Phil and a lot of the guys growing up, they never understood that black men could be artists they could be you know this or that or you know they, you didn't know the extent of what they could accomplish because they hadn't seen a lot of people in similar positions so do you feel like that's something that you want to carry now as as, as a successful artist in, in, in the entertainment industry would you want to carry that message that people from your background can be successful oh sure for sure and you know it's for, for me it's it's like i i also get where there's not a lot of people within like within uh, my ethnicity in this industry, mm-hmm. because most of the time their parents don't know anything about this industry. Right. And, you know, everything that you don't know, you're afraid of, of course. So they yes. they'd rather not take the risk. Unfortunately, my parents did, but by doing 
I think, especially with Middle Eastern people, and I think Shadi agrees with that, the only way to show parents and, and, and schools and, and caregivers that this is an industry that you kids can thrive. It's just the way they show sports and movies and stuff. It's like, you know, right. showing that you can actually make an earning out of it, make a living out of it. And I think that's not that clear. And, and also that as a kid, when you want to do it, obviously you can't explain it to your parents as the way an adult can who is in the industry. Right. And making money and has a career and can sustain himself. And yeah, yeah exactly. Even, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very common. And I think it's, especially like you said, for, for minority parents, it's, it's a very uh, tough decision to to try and push on that and make sure that you I mean, like even when we spoke to Henry Wong, he was saying the same thing. We have an Asian parents as well at the time is that, you know, although he went to the university track and done his master's, which, you know, he probably felt at the time was more for his parents than him. But, you know, he had to go that route because, you know, they probably didn't agree with the, the, the direction he was going at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's a very common thing, I think, with people who just don't understand the industry. I mean, also I've experienced that as, as, as a white man as well, is that, you know, my parents, just because they're, they're older, um, also thought that, you know, I had to go to university, I had to have a degree in the wall. Um, but yeah, I think specifically for people um, in those territories, it can be a very big struggle. But they, of course, now they're very supportive of what you're doing, right? Yeah, obviously. I, I think it's it's all because of the fact that this industry almost was non-existent until you know, Photoshop came along and Craig Mullen started doing this. And Pretty this much. is not that long, you know, it's like, what, 15, 20 years now, almost. Yeah, like, even the term uh, concept art, I was going to say, yeah. is, is still new, yeah. Photo bashing, for example. I remember when I was, when people were using photos, people said, you're using textures. Mm -hmm. That term photo bashing didn't exist, for me at least, until until The Last of Us came, the first yeah. game. I I mean, and that's such a weird thing, a conversation to have as well. Like even yesterday, I was talking to Peggy and a couple of the people at, at, um, um, over there where they've done this, some of the Apex skins for, for uh, Apex Legends. And, you know, I was interested in one of the gun designs they've done. I was like, oh, yeah, is this over a, have you drew this over a 3D base mesh? And I kind of got that response where they were like, yes, <laughs> expecting maybe like, oh, you use 3D, oh, my God. But I was like, oh, no, that's really cool. Like, I really, that's a really awesome process. But then, you know, they talked about how, they get that so much where people are like, oh, you use 3D. But then people who talk about like photo bashing 3D is a negative thing are usually people who are not in production environments where they understand why these things are used, right? Yeah, I think for me personally, if Da Vinci would live right now, you think he wouldn't use ZBrush or VR or it's just you have to go with the tools that are, you know, made. You have to go with the time. You can't. By saying, you know, and I've I've heard this many times before where people are like, you know, using photos is not art or if you're not painting, it's not art. And I'm like, first of all, when I see a movie, I never, when I see a good movie, right, I never think like, but wait a minute, they used green screen. That's not real art. That's not real filmmaking. You know right. what I mean? That's, at the end of the day, it's all about the end product uh, production and concept art is a production. Like it, the idea itself is about making production, right? Right. And art, for me, you can't define what art means. Because if that's the case, if you feel like only painting with the hand is real art, then I feel like, all right, you shouldn't drive a car and just go back to driving donkeys and horses. Because, <laughs> you know, that's also the traditional way of ex uh, 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 
to tele or transportation. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think I think it's interesting as well when people talk about uh, even something like using reference, and then you point out to them, you're like, you know, when Da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa, he had a person sitting in front of him. Yeah, like, exactly. He didn't, he didn't paint it for imagination. There was physically somebody there who he copied their face onto a canvas. You know, what I mean, that's how it worked. Honestly, going back to this, it's like the biggest learning like the biggest thing i got out of last of us is the idea of reference and yes. how i learned from that that's the biggest thing i learned from this whole project is how important reference is because like i i also noticed what i personally like as well is like as long as your image stays true to life and nature as in your lighting is correct you mm -hmm. know the growth of things are correct the way it breaks are correct so everything that looks natural your image will automatically stand out way better. Like, yeah, I mean, I was going to say because you were using um, a lot of Blender in this yeah. process, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually halfway through, I, I, I switched to Blender. Uh, first, I was with Cinema 4D with okay. Octane Render, but right. I uh, it just wasn't my preference. And then uh, Jama convinced uh, convinced us, me, Florent, uh, LeBrun, um, Jat. Uh, Saber and uh, Balash and, and every other OPB guy, he convinced us to use Blender. And this was before the whole hype Blender thing. So, right. you know, there was just like uh, Blender Guru's tutorial, bless his soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, I mean, like, just the, the quality on some of the images is like, I think for me, it was impossible to think that Blender could do this because I've never really dived into the depths of what Blender is truly capable of but you know there was a there was one painting I think came out really early on when they were announcing stuff and it was the, the kill zone approach it's the one oh, where yeah. he's yeah with the horse and and I was just absolutely blown away like even breaking down that image I mean so that was that was mostly a 3d scene like in real time Blender and then were you like how much paint over were you doing on, on these that, projects that kill, was zone, that kill zone approach is actually like 85 percent photo bashing Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So interesting. It depends, right. Usually when it's outdoors. Mm -hmm. So I, I got this advice from uh, Eitan, uh, Eitan Zana. Uh, okay. He told, yeah. me, uh, he told me what he usually does. Mm -hmm. Like the 80 20% rule. When it's interior, you do 80% 3D, 20% 2D. When it's right. exterior, you do 80% 2D, 20% 3D. Because right. organic forms tend to look way more natural when you're using photos or you're painting over. And, ah, right, okay. And hard surface forms, you can't like calculate a, a inside room interior better than you know a three D uh, software like Blender. Right, okay. So, so most of your scenes that were external were done mostly with photos and photo bash, and, and then the interior stuff was more three D. Right, exactly. okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you talked about using reference. That's a really interesting part because obviously, I think where I fell down as an artist for a lot of years was the fact that. I just wasn't using enough reference. I mean, I, I initially thought, you know, maybe two or three images would, would suffice, but then I started diving into Pure Ref and seeing other people's Pure Ref boards. And some guys who were doing projects had like over 200 images, you know, and they had them in groups in different parts of the board so they could go to specific different images. But um, how were you approaching, like for that one we were just talking about, you know, the, um, the, the Killzone approach, what was what was the reference really you were using or what was the feel you were trying to accomplish using that reference? Mm. Um, so the, 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 the kind of work um, uh, method I, I got to learn while working on The Last of Us was we mm -hmm. usually got a brief. Shady was explaining us how the brief works and stuff. 
So it was from Naughty Dog we got the brief. Shadi sometimes gave like a scribble or at the end he just gave the note to us because he trusted us after right. two or three years on the project. And what happened then is um, first thing I do is reference searching. So that means like, all right, I look at the image. I look at the references that they gave. So sometimes like they showed like two, three images of, all right, for example, for kill kill zone approach was like, it's a Wyoming place. Uh, mm -hmm. It's open. There's a woods chopped off and Ellie's walking there with a horse. Right. That's the only thing I got. Right. And based right. on that, First thing I saw Wyoming, so I typed in Wyoming, took like two, three hours. So I spent like maybe a day just on mm -hmm. reference search in right. the amount of hours. So like I make folders like reference folder, I make like a, a Wyoming folder, broken, you know, damaged, collapsed building folders. So now I have like a whole folder of images that is divided in different folders, you know, like Arial. Right alphas, ancient architecture. And usually when I, you know, cut out like a tree part or something, I tend to save that alpha as well so that I can reuse it later for another image. And I don't have to, you know, keep searching for images. Right. So once I, once I do the reference search and like, this is a shit ton of image. And obviously once I'm doing the reference search, I tend to see cool ideas, you know, oh damn, that's actually pretty cool. I didn't know, you know, wood broke like that, or I didn't know trees grow like that. So right. while you're doing the reference search, you're actually adding more life to your image and in your brain. And once that started, depending on which method I use, let's say we take 3D from now, mm -hmm. for now I have like a, I, I take like one good image. Like let's say if I have an interior Mm -hmm. bar or something i tend to find one good bar that looks pretty cool in my eyes set design stuff and wise and then i right. try to copy that as close as possible right in the beginning yeah. stage so that they already did the work for me they know how a bar is supposed to look like as soon as i do it myself i have never had a bar i have never had people in bars so Right. Once I do it myself, it looks stiff. But once I look at the reference of a photo of a bar, I kind of look like, oh, cool, there's actually a glass there. Or, oh, yeah, of course, people maybe smoke there. Or, you know, all these small elements you just pick from one photo. And then you just copy that into your image and tweak it a right. little. Yeah. I mean, that's, that in itself is just such a, an in-depth process, I think, even for, for one image. And I think that's where people usually don't understand how much work goes into something like that. You know, you could spend... I mean, or, Again, we're using the one image as a reference, but maybe just in general, how long were you spending on one image? Like, you know, weeks or months? or I think in the beginning, a lot. Right. I had images where it took me like 45, 50 hours. And as slowly I got better, it just took me less, less, less. And I think my last image took me like 25 hours. Like 25, 20 was in the, in the low moments of hours. You know what I mean? So... Right. Usually if you get a full Vista shot or something, and it depends on what kind of images, like a Vista shot usually is a bit harder to grab, uh, to, to do, in my opinion, than an interior. Right. So right. it just depends on what kind of image you have. But I would say 30 is a good midpoint. Like, right. Yeah. If you could I mean, I think 25, and this is, of course, very uh, illustrative, what, illustration type of, so it looks super realistic. We're taking account of everything, making it as realistic as possible. So, It does take more more time, but at the end, the 3D artist can get a lot of out of it, and you can clearly see in the game that, like, it does make a difference. The game looks phenomenal. Yeah, visual life. 
Yeah, because also with when we were talking about this when we talked with Shadi, but then, you know, a lot of the times you're trying to push that level of realism because you're almost trying to get a one-for-one one shot of what the game would look like in engine, right? You're trying to replicate that realism and that in itself with the technology obviously constantly evolving is something that you're always trying to keep up with and try to catch up with because, you know, I mean, The Last of Us 2, even though people are saying, you know, it's, it's shipping on PlayStation 4, which at this point, you know, the PlayStation 5 is around the corner, but then, of course, it's going to jump. So the technology is 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 still being pushed even by them at this point at the end of the life cycle of the PlayStation 4 and I think even early on it's great to see that One Pixel Brush has been pushing that I mean I mean I had a conversation with some of the guys at Opaz Arts uh, back in the day and they were talking about when they worked on Division even um, they had certain concept kind of you know bars that they were hitting to to push the Division work and then I think they got the first round of images from One Pixel Brush at the time and the bar like exponentially jumped upwards because the images were just so good so i mean is that something that you were always consciously aware of? is that something that you learned from shadi is like how you can go above and beyond when you're making right. these images so, so basically you're actually you're just talking about this mm-hmm. this kind of uh, uh rumor or this idea because i had this idea as well as when you work at one pixel brush you're gonna get good automatically right that's kind well, of to an extent, yeah, just that the you know you're learning from Shadi will help you exponentially. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the idea, and obviously, I'm just the way I said it is like the way I thought it was before I went there, right? And the moment you get there, it's just at the end of the day, it's all about your own effort and input. You know, the concept art images, if like if you can grade it right from a one to a ten, it's just like. Uh, with with any concept art work or image image making for movie or game, I think at least is you know just like an essay or a test you can get away with a five and a half, right? Right. Yeah. But you rather go for the eight or the nine, and right, that's yeah, the mentality or at any company and also at One Pixel Brush. If you really want to show that you can do good, you have to like work in your own free time outside of working for Shadi, and we always took the extra. The, the, the extra mile to actually push every image we did like we treated every image as if it should be a bit better than the than the than the past one right yeah and of course because yeah oh, the best, no. I think the best way the, the, the reason why it worked for me so well is mm-hmm. because early on as soon as I got in I regrouped with everybody at that time that was working with one pixel brush like first I thought like let's make a you know a chat in Facebook so we all made a chat and then we all meet up at IFCC and then we were talking about let's do a hangout, you know, every day while we work. So it's like as soon as with this team effort and feedback, you know, like when you when, when you take harsh feedback from each other and after all you get used to it, you just see how phenomenal the uh, the results will be, you know, because our, your images become images that you'd never expect yourself to see doing. Right. It's just every time when you're doubting yourself, this is the result of, you know, not knowing which direction you want to go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's also interesting because when you're working on Pixel Brush, of course, you know, yourself, you're working alongside guys like Florian and, you know, not even just the guys at One Pixel Brush, but then you're also working with the guys technically at Naughty Dog who are some of the best people in the world at what they do in that concept team. So, I think it's just always a constant thing where you want to not just improve because you want yourself to be better, but then you've got to understand that you're working with these guys who are your peers and you want 
when you know when the art blast happened and you want all these images to come out you want your images to look like they belong with you know florence stuff yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know it's it's just for me it's always been about team effort as in i never feel like i know better than the other one if they like if if, if somebody gives me a feedback which is honest the truth that it's bad when when it makes your image better i used to take it super harsh but now i'm like that is a way to make the image better but it's my choice if i want to do it or not and right. usually i yeah. go for it because i know at the end i get super annoyed if i don't do that and then i can't look at an image anymore because i get annoyed every time i get reminded of it yeah yeah i mean there would be nothing worse if, if you'd worked on an image and, and not taking that feedback and then it comes out and then forever it's there right and yeah, you're yeah, always looking exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even till then, even even man, even till the end of this like until last Monday, I'm still tweaking my images because <laughs> I will always like for me, these are like my babies and I you know, before you send your child off to school, you want them, you know, to present them well and like have some yeah, of make course. them hair and make their hair and stuff. So for me it's just I'm still tweaking it a bit because the game is already out, so the concept and Naughty Dog is super, super, super great with us posting our concept art like that's so awesome that they're supporting artists as well yeah well i just literally last night um because i got a bit of cash from a job so i ordered the the limited edition last of us art book awesome. so that's going to be going to take pride of place on on my wall i'll probably try and sneak it to a few events when they kick back up as well so i can get you guys to sign them but um, yeah, awesome. but yeah yeah man um so yeah i mean this whole journey of you know starting out and then your student working at gorilla one pixel brush this has been a phenomenal career so far but then when i initially spoke to you uh, a couple of weeks back when we were setting up this interview you told me that um so you're not working exclusively with one pixel brush anymore you're no you're... it's been almost three four months shy of a year now uh right I, after that i started working for a gorilla game again uh, okay. on horizon 2 but this ah, time okay. as a freelancer Right, external contractor. Exactly, yeah. So I yeah. was there for a half year working on uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is also oh, cool. looking amazing. Never knew. Well, congratulations on that because yeah, it looks you. incredible. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. yeah, I got to see the trailer, obviously, with everybody else when the PS5 stuff was announced. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I think we all, uh, everybody kind of knew it was coming, right? I think it was with the success of the first one, it was kind of obvious that Sony was going to uh, re- re- relight that fire. But, um, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, it does look it does look incredible so yeah. so what so what's been i mean I, I don't know how much we could talk about your your process on on what you're doing just now but do you feel like um do you feel like you're i'm trying to think how to say this do you feel like you're working the same process you did with last of us is now you're working on horizon is it no that was uh, the is, biggest that, that was the biggest learning curve for me is every project has their own uh approach to it and i think once you like switch from because I spent like two to three years on Last of Us, so I really delved into it. But right. once you delve into something else, it does take time. And usually adjust, the company, yeah. yeah, to adjust. And usually the company itself understands that as well. So for me, obviously, Last of Us is a bit more, you know, realistic tones and a bit more som- somber and dark. So I have yeah. actually, and then I go to Horizon, it's like, you know, you take like the saturation and just put it on. Like yeah, yeah. sixty, you know, just everything is <laughs> is more colorful and everything is more, yeah. you know, Ghibli style. So it's it's definitely a switch. It was super super hard for me. I'm not gonna lie about that. As in, 
understanding that was my first time on my own without any like side per, like a uh, side person helping me like shady or something you know so okay. it's a lot of learning curve for me as a freelance concept artist but yeah. it was also like a great like i take a lot of great things out of it because i learned what not to do next time or right you know yeah but then again it's it's one of these things where I mean, again, we were talking to uh, Lee Petty back in the day when he was making stuff for like uh, Brutal Legend with, with Tim Schafer. You know, he was saying that the amount of stuff he was doing that was so dark, he had to go home and try and draw something bright just to make himself feel happier because everything was so... I mean, like Last of Us, we all know, has this tone where, you know, it, it's not the happiest of stories. So for you switching on to this side of the, the production now, it's got to be a, a dramatic change even ju- and just mood and tone because the game itself is, is very different. But then... Are you employing more painterly skills in these these productions now because it's more of that ilk, or are you still working within Blender 3D? Um, I mean, again, that's maybe a difficult process because again, you're talking more about production. But um, is is it challenging you as a painter in a different way? Or yeah, it's like I just the the thing I'm doing right now is just to to, to know myself right now, and because I have the. Uh the privilege of taking a step back and seeing what I want to do is I just, I I noticed I do like the way of the way I do images like last of us. So realistic, realistic lighting and stuff. And you know what you just said about like the somber stuff, you know, like the dark stuff. I don't think any of us had that. It's just when you're making an image like images for last of us, Mm -hmm. when the lighting is spot on, it just feels so good to paint it. And we are all huge movie buff buffs worked on it so Mm -hmm. like i totally get why why that person would say that but for me it was like like a joy from day one till the end yeah yeah i could imagine because a lot of these images i think if you took out the context of it was part of the last of us are very like again killzone you know the, the the whole image to me seems very beautiful because you've got so much rolling nature and green trees and you know look the lovely horse and i mean the only thing i would say that adds to the maybe the the mood that's darker is there's a lot of destroyed buildings but that could be just like a destroyed building in iowa or something anyway you know i mean it's not good to be because there's an apocalypse but yeah if you take a lot of these images outside of the context of it's a game about you know all this horrible stuff a lot of these images are very beautiful right they're very um, well lit there's a lot of sunlight in them in some of them so yeah I, I, I know what you mean when you're saying it's you didn't feel sad because you weren't then experiencing the story itself you were you were you know taking small snippets of that and, and making your own um, approaches but then it's great to see that because you have got a range right when we talk about range and images like even I think one of the first ones I saw that really like jumped out at me and I, I didn't realize it was you was the the Mayan ruins uh scene you done oh yeah yeah uh, which for me was like one of the most beautiful images I think I've ever seen a oh, concert you, artist man. do. I appreciate but also, that. Yeah, of course. But then it, it reminded me very of that Ghibli uh, animation, um, almost spirited away kind of thing. Um, and there was so much, um, because you see your 3D base, but then you can see how much painting you've put on top of that. So like, I think when people look at artists who do specifically Last of Us 2 or things that are more 3D photo bash, they automatically think this is more students I'm talking about. Think yeah. about you know you can also do the the painterly right. animation stuff that's outside of your range. Um, so is that something you come across as an artist as well that people will talk to you thinking that? I mean, I thought that. Yeah, I thought Yeah, yeah, I thought that. Like, it's totally legit that thinking because I, I 
when I started doing art, I actually started as a character designer. I wanted to do character designs and that I did that for like five, six years until I noticed that I want to do environments. And that mm-hmm. was because of The Last of Us 1 when I saw that. And then they had like a video breakdown of the images on YouTube. Right. I was like, wow, that's so cool. I want to do that. And I thought like the only, I never thought that learning the fundamentals is like you have to choose one direction in the beginning. So let's say I chose environments after that, right? So I right. chose to learn my fundamentals through doing environments. As mm-hmm. soon as you learn these fundamentals, like lighting and shape and value, mm-hmm. you can automatically adjust them to other stuff as well. But my brain thought like, oh, every element has its own fundamental. You know right. what I mean? So the thing is, is as soon as you can, as soon as you learn shape language, and reference search again, mm-hmm. then you know how to like for for the mind image for example. I did some reference research on Ghibli and see how they painted and how they treat their shapes, right? Right. And the form and, and values is something that's in general that you always practice. So every guy who does Last of Us images, maybe not every, but like eighty percent, ninety percent, especially the Naughty Dog guys, they are four masters, right? So if you look at Aton, he can do super realistic but also stylized because he knows his shapes and his forms. Right. So it's always once you go back to the basis of fundamentals and you can break your image down like that, I don't think it's I think you can do anything you want, to be honest. Like at yeah. this point I'm starting to do characters and I just picked up ZBrush because the the the, the Beforehand, I didn't understand ZBrush because I didn't have a lot of 3D knowledge. But right now, I because I did, tried a lot of 3D and like uh, softwares like Blender, I know what a normal map means or what bump map means or you know what I mean. Like I know all these terms, and before you didn't know that, so you could, you would get lost. And yeah. like it's all these small things, like everything you want to do or achieve in the in the future, you have to tweak them towards what you want and not what the general audience think, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting as well because you talked about even just your three D process and 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 going down that path because you know you also done the Tetsuo um, image as well, which yeah. was something you sculpted in, in, in Blender at the time, I think, but then very, again, I've not used the, the sculpting tools in Blender, but I've heard they're very akin to the ZBrush stuff. But but yeah, so, I mean, even that image was incredible to see because obviously you sculpted the character, you'd done the background, you'd done the whole paint over thing. Um, more 3D than 2D, but still at the same time, like it was such an impressive image. But Thank you. I think it's just, it's just, I think your range is what has always impressed me, Dana, is that the fact that you can turn your hand to almost anything. Because um, like you said, you've went straight from The Last of Us onto Horizon. And again, like you said, there's such a shift even in just that. So it's always good to see, you know, and I think that's where the more successful artists land is that if you have that kind of range and you can turn, you know, to most projects, then you're going to have a stellar career regardless because, you know, you're never going to be limited by uh, your skill set. And I think that's something that, I feel that students don't see enough of or, or, or pay enough attention to is that you can have uh, one style initially, but it doesn't mean like you're trapped in that genre forever, right? You don't have to always do the one type of painting. You can go above and beyond and take on different styles, right? For sure. First of all, thank you for thinking that about me. It's funny how yeah. we perceive different stuff, right? Like for me, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm lost. I still don't know what I want. <laughs> you're like oh wow he's so versatile so it's interesting how the different thought process is you know like never as a student as well for everybody who's listening it's like 
mm-hmm. always understand and know your favorite artists are 10 times more insecure than you. <laughs> because Typically. It's, it's, it's always really, it's maybe easy to have a great project, but it's super hard to maintain that quality within that project. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I had that, I had that idea as well. Uh, as soon as I got the last of us, you know, and Shadi was like, <clears throat> excuse me, Shadi was like, oh yeah, okay, you got the image, here it is. And I'm like, all right, finally, I got what I want in my life. And then I stood there, I'm like, oh fuck, I actually have to work as well, you know? So yeah, a lot of people ask for this opportunity, but I'm not sure if a lot of people are prepared for it because I feel like in some areas I wasn't prepared and I deeply uh, learned from that. I, I mm-hmm. got a lot of, you know, ups and downs and, you know, images that weren't working and images that did. And, you know, it's always a struggle because you're always comparing. I used to compare myself with other people and still see myself do that a couple of times. But I lately I'm trying to compare myself just with my older me just to show mm-hmm. that, okay, at least I grew. Because if I, the issue is, is sometimes you're uh, um, comparing your negatives with somebody else's positives, but you're never comparing your positives with somebody else's negatives. You know, you're just looking at what you don't have and what the other has. Yeah, and I think that's also about just being mindful as an artist, right? And just being aware of where you are in the industry and and what your skill set is. And I mean, I know even for me early on, I mean, I remember going to my first event in like 2016, uh, initial workshops in London, and looking at, you know, Titus's work and Ash Thorpe was there and Aaron Beck and all these amazing, amazing artists. And then at that time, I hadn't really seen much industry art, you know, outside of what I was looking at. And it was just crazy to see how good these guys were and they had these incredible pasts and, and origin stories of what they'd done initially. But then I automatically went home and was like, right, all my art needs to look like theirs. You know, I can't have any identity as an artist. I just need to make my stuff look like their stuff and I'll get work. Yeah. And obviously that's the wrong way to do it. But like, you know, when you're young, I think, especially when you're just starting in the industry, um, you always have that, right? You always look at other people's work and think, oh, if I, if I was just a bit more like Eitan or I was just a bit more like, you know, like you do it to yourself, even though you know it's wrong, you're still in your mindset and going, oh. but then you have to, like you say, I think it's the mindfulness you have to catch yourself, right? You have to be like, no, my stuff's good. I know I'm a good artist. I know I can paint well. I don't have to be like them. You know, they're amazing artists, but, you know, I'm also an amazing artist. And I think it's like just self-love, right? It's just giving yourself a break to understand that you are good enough. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's... It's very much like that because the 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 difference is, is I can't compare my quality of work to somebody else who like a rapper can't compare his work with somebody who's doing rock. And right. I notice a lot of people in art are doing that with each other, <laughs> you know. So I think you have to really know which direction you want because in the early stages where I didn't know, you know, when I was doing character design and stuff, I just was doing images. And I didn't know who or where I want to work with. And as soon right. as the first game came out, I kind of knew the direction. And I thought like, all right, every tutorial or every image that I make has to go towards that direction. Right. And just a small tip for everybody as well. is like once, like I've seen a lot of tutorials come by, coming forth. And I've seen a lot of stuff on ArtStation, people just copying the tutorials. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a tutorial, always have an idea in mind, always have an image in mind so that, you can skip all the filler stuff that you don't need to know right now. Like you will yeah. know those stuff once you, once your image making asks for it, but taking a lot of information of one tutorial in one time is, or just copying the tutorial. It's not learning in my opinion. It's just 
you have to look at you have to ask the questions of why did he make that choice and not to ask the questions of how did you make that choice you know what tools did you use it doesn't matter it's just right. why did he use that tool why did he make that choice why is the lighting like that why is the character there why is the character you know it's just the whys are way more important in my opinion than the how yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we just had this conversation when uh, we interviewed Jan Urschel and Jan was saying that, you know, a lot of people understand that, you know, yeah, it takes maybe like 10 hours, maybe less to watch my tutorial that I've just released, but then it takes like 200 hours plus to implement that stuff, right? And yeah. make your own image because yeah. a lot of people think that, oh, I've got mega scans now. I can make images in five minutes. It's like, well, no, it's not that simple. So, you know, it's it's a very fuel thing that you need to hone over many, many, many images. You know, like the first image you'll make will be shit, but then image number maybe 25 will be good. So, I mean, but you have to go through that process, right? You have to go through you that trial. To, yeah, you have to. It's And that's the hardest process. It's like, you know, there was this quote from the Rocky movie. It's not about how hard you can get. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and stand up. And keep going. Yeah. And keep going, exactly. And keep going. Yeah, yeah. And that's... That's the whole idea is just because you're going to get hit a lot of times. Everybody has that when you're doing 3D and one fucking button doesn't work and just the <laughs> whole work just stops because you can't figure out that one fucking thing, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, because we when we spoke to Shadi again, he was talking about the flow, right? Because working in 3D even is, is a great process because it does a lot of great things. He is as an artist, but then at the same time, kind of interrupts your flow because you know you'll change one thing and then you've got to wait for it to render or you change another thing and you've got to wait for it to load or put it in the scene so you're you're constantly interrupting that flow you're always you know getting in the middle of like that image just stopping every time yeah. so i think with that as a very frustration thing where you want a uh you want to be good at the software but then if, if blender isn't doing what it's told the first five times then you're like oh god that's, i'm never using blender again but then it's it's the perseverance to stick with it and just keep going, even though it is frustrating, or even though it's maybe no, you know, filling that artistic need, you have to look at the end result and know the immediate result is that, you know, even when when you become a concept artist, right? You know, you were only sitting day one in your your college or university, is thinking, oh, can I wait to work on Last of Us? You know, you were you were just looking at like, well, you know, I'm going to do well at school, then I might get into, a, you know, I think what I'm trying to say, Dan, is that the way I think I've looked at my career, and I think a lot of people look at the career, is that you can't look at the end goal you do you're not seeing the bigger picture you know like and i think the more you try to control your career or the more you try to like micromanage every single thing because you don't know where you're going to land but no, then eventually you, you will land somewhere you know what i mean yeah i think it's always like it's like a sailor right you kind of know which direction you go but you don't know exactly if it's there and yeah. that's always the case is like for me personally as well, out of all the successes that I've had, I've had a shit ton of other emails. No, sorry, we're not looking for anybody. No, you don't require the the quality or the requirements. It's it's all of the stuff that usually we don't tell other people because when we're looking through Instagram, Facebook, or ArtStation, whatever, it's because we're looking through our backstage to people who are in the spotlight, right? People right. show real. Yep. Everything on our stations, people show real on, on Instagram. And you're looking from yep. the backstage and thinking, shit, I have to be like that. But you know that that person also has a backstage, right? Yeah. So it's kind of weird because the the thing is we're just fighting our own mentality the whole time. And like the small voice in your head that just keep telling you like you can't do it. It's just I, I notice that usually when stuff like that ha happens and I get frustrated, I just take a walk or 
you know, go off the PC and just take a break for an hour or something. Yeah, yeah. I think especially because mental health now is such at the forefront of everybody's conversation now when it comes to this industry because for a lot of years, even just a couple of years previously, you know, industries, especially games, were synonymous with crunching or, you know, working ridiculous hours. And sometimes it's not even like it's enforced. It's like people just feel that they need to be there eight hours a week doing stuff. So I think it's more as you go on in the industry or as the industry evolves, we're starting to think, no, we want a life outside of art. We want to, you know, be able to spend time with our spouses or kids or whatever, you know, as um, outside of, of work. And, and it's hard because, you know, again, Jan had the same conversation with me where he says, you know, he now makes a conscious effort that, you know, after a certain time he comes off the computer or at the weekends, he doesn't even touch work. Um, but then, it took him a long time to get there, right? Because initially when he was working even at Lucas, he was so involved in his work that, you know, he was he was never home. And he talked about like even having a father at that time who, you know, was a workaholic and he never saw him and he didn't want that to be the same for his kids. So it's a very, it's a, in this industry especially, I think it's a very difficult balance, right? It's having a life outside of your work. For sure, man. And that's a balance that you have to learn yourself and mistakes that you have to see for yourself because, a lot of people can warn you about it, but as long as you don't do it yourself and see why it doesn't work, right? You won't learn. Mm-hmm. You won't. You won't learn. So, for me, it's as well as I still have a hard time trying to put it in like a good schedule. But I am trying, and it's all about trying. Yeah, of course. If you're trying and learning from the small mistakes before. It's gonna get okay, and just like you said, don't always plan too much, but never force it. Like. Always, when you're planning ahead, always expect too much, but so that you can always, you know, there's always something to grab. There's always yeah. something to point towards that can keep you motivated, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting as well when you work on these, I think especially when you work at the tippity top, right? You're working on like the biggest projects in the world, Last of Us to the next Horizon game. These are things that, you know, you almost have to take in consideration when you're going to work at these companies that, yeah, that's great. You get to work in these AAA titles, but then the AAA effort you're going to have to put in will be just as big. I mean, people always talked about, um, there was a really good saying where, you know, if people want a $100,000 job, you have to put $100,000 worth of effort in. You know well what I mean? Said, well said. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Like a lot of people want to work on Last of Us and have that opinion and whatever it's, but, but keep in mind that it's a lot of work and a lot of frustration and a lot of yeah. self-doubt. Yeah, I mean, when we spoke to Shadi, I was stunned that it was like, yeah, I think we've done like 800 concepts in four years. I was like, oh my God, that's so many paintings. Yeah. Like, you know, were you doing, I mean, do you know roughly how many you were doing kind of week to week or month to month? Was it, was it like 10, 20 a month or something like that? Or uh, You mean hour-wise, right? Yeah, well, no, I mean like like individual images, like how many were you finishing? Like, I mean, because... Uh-huh, right that, like that. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think like we... Like after a while, we got to like 10 guys. So we got like each one image, sometimes two. And then we finished, we got like a week, week and a half with feedback and all. Right. So it did still took like five to six days or like sometimes less, like three days or something. But it depended on what kind of image you get and how clear Naughty Dog is about their vision within that image. Mm-hmm. So easily, easily when you work, like in the, and, and I still have that. You can easily go up to 40 to 50 hours, 60 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Especially if you're, you're sitting constantly at your computer and then you're not even talking about the, the time you're sitting away from your computer thinking about the image or mm-hmm. 
thinking about how to interpolate that feedback and put it back into the next thing and yeah that yeah, energy it, still stays there you know what i mean like it's still haunting yeah. your fucking house so oh man exactly so what bad mean. yeah yeah but then that's i mean definitely once you finish that and you move on you feel better for it because you're like oh look i accomplished this amazing thing but i think at every point in the human history is you always feel like you're at breaking point you always feel like you're just about to snap and oh i can't push this image any further i've been like 10 hours in it already oh my god i'm getting sick of looking at this thing but then you finish it right and then you look at it and think oh, wow i've made that that's yeah. crazy yeah and that you know usually I mean? takes like a couple of weeks or even months you know where you yeah. take a step back and you don't look at it for a while Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, it's um, it's a weird relationship, man, between a creator and its creation. Yeah, I think especially with concept because, I mean, the 3D guys do whatever and whatever we talk about that, that's fair enough. But with concept and because you're you're putting an artistic painter spin on it, yeah. Whenever you paint anything, you're always putting so much of your own personal soul into that image. Like yeah. you're you're, you're feeding it, it, you're feeding it life. So. I think when you get so connected to something, it, it's difficult. Again, talking to Shadi, even the first five minutes of that conversation, we were talking about what Neil must have been going through when a lot of the leaks happened. Yeah, I saw and, it. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. 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 And we were just talking about, like, you know, imagine working for a painting on four days and somebody tells you that they hate you. <laughs> like, but then imagine working on it for four years yeah, and then people hate shit. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, when a lot of these concepts come out, um, I mean, briefly, I don't want to dive too much into this because, you know, we don't want to, but, you know, looking at Frank Zung's work on the Abbey model and seeing a lot of the comments on that, it, like, it blows my mind because, you know, people are kind of going at him because of the design and stuff. But, you know, you're just part of that process, right? You're just part of that that delivery system. You're not really getting involved in the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah, I would um, say I would say it's just I wish that people or fans understand that there is a different relationship to your favorite characters from a fan point and from a creator's point. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I definitely feel like people can take things a little too far sometimes yeah. when it comes to critiquing this stuff. And, and, uh, because I mean, regardless of what you thought of the story and everything artistically, the game is phenomenal. It's, yeah. it's, it's the bar, you know, the bar has yeah. now been set for every other game to look as good, to feel as good as that. Um, cause Naughty Dog have, have, have made hit after hit after hit, right? Every game they release is always a, a timeless classic, even yeah. in the Uncharted series, it was always incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. um, so yeah, I, I definitely feel that there's that disconnect that people have. And I mean, I've experienced it the same. I was a Star Wars fan all my life. I still am. And, and, but then of course I, I totally, you know, stood against the whole treatment of a lot of the actors and stuff after the like Last Jedi and stuff came out and people were getting, I mean, and, you know, I think people just need to obviously dis- disconnect and remember that it's just an entertainment experience. It's not a lifelong thing and it's not, a, but then I think also people get so attached to these stories yeah, and man. so attached to this stuff that it, you can kind of understand when they get upset if it's not quite how they saw it turning out. Because I mean, I know, especially when I watched Star Wars, the last couple of ones, my experiences and my opinions were very mixed, but you know, I think because now I've worked in the industry, or, or at least I know people in the industry that have worked in these things, I understand how to disconnect myself and yeah. know, you know, get involved in it yeah. too deeply. Yeah, so, well said. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in closing, I think what I just wanted to say is that, you know, when it comes to people trying to get back in the industry or, or even make their first steps into, into, you know, the genre or concept art, what do you feel is like, you know, if you could go back to, 
younger you and give yourself advice what would be the things you think of you've learned over the span of working on stuff like the last of us and horizon and what's the kind of key learning points you feel that you would give to yourself um i would say just be just take some time to see what direction you actually want within gaming or concept art so for me it was always like i want to work towards naughty dog so i just looked at the guys that worked at naughty dog and tried to copy them i just and 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 i can't say this enough learn your fundamentals it doesn't matter how good you are at 3d at photo bashing if you don't know your concept uh, fundamentals you won't understand why an image looks good or why a photo that you choose to photo bash is the right photo to photo bash right you know this these are all things that will add up to your skill set in the long run and outside of that it's also just be more yeah just be more focused towards what you actually want because obviously i also want to work on I don't know, let's say World of Warcraft or Ghibli or, but I have to focus on one thing. And as soon as you get there and as soon as you get good at that one thing, you can finally take a step back and then try to focus on other things, you know? Yes. And then as yeah. an example for me, I did a lot of environment art and then finally I got to a level which I can sustain myself and, and you know, I am happy with the results. Now I'm actually taking a step towards character design because mm -hmm. I can always keep working on my environment stuff until yes. I can get my character stuff up. So it's always kind of like planning mm -hmm. how you're going to approach this. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see, again, something I thought early on is that once you have, because I came from industry where, you know, I was an engineer till I was 28. Wow. So yeah. I, thought, I thought that I was always going to have that career until I left and went back to university and better for myself. But, you know, chasing your dream obviously takes strife and, and, and determination. But you look at guys like Matthias Semeca who have like, you know, early on, very early in their career, were doing like, you know, a lot of 3D photo bash and stuff for like The Division and, and other games like that. But now he's like almost a Ghibli character artist. Like he's doing backgrounds uh, for, for 2D animations and, yeah. and story storyboard and stuff. And yeah. But then that only came through once he had the job, once he had the initial learning and was doing other things, he could then refocus and do a, you know, a different path. But Exactly. Yeah. It's just because as soon as environment art because becomes your work, you have to find a different type of hobby. And usually a hobby is something that right. you're learning yeah. while doing it, right? Because I noticed that as soon as I have my business mindset on when i'm learning something i'm like okay i have to do three hours of this today and then tomorrow three four hours and then like i'm just forcing something that is not me and some people can be like that but i am not like that you know and i i try to i i do try to have a schedule of when i want to finish something but it's not oh, like there's just one way of finishing it you know okay we totally lost you for like five seconds oh really <laughs> sorry yeah you just keep going uh, just where I think the general when you're talking about your I got the three to four hours and then you were saying something else oh right you know when, when a lot of people are like all right four hours every day for a whole week I'm gonna do anatomy and nothing else right for me it's like I, I for me personally it doesn't work like that like right. you just have to tweak and find your own way and you know just with fire right if you touch fire you see how your body behaves and reacts to it and then the next time you won't do it so right. just behave like that with your work as well. See how how you feel towards a certain way of working and see if that fits you, you know? Just tweak it yeah. towards who you are and not necessarily take it towards another artist you saw online doing that method. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, if you don't want to use Blender, 
fuck Blender. Like, you don't yeah, have to exactly. use Blender. It's not like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you, you have to use Blender. You have to use Mega Scans. You're like, no, you, you use whatever you feel is going to be your artistic voice because, you know, the thing I love about this podcast and the thing I love about having done it this last four years is that whenever you ask the question, how did you get in an industry? Everybody has a different answer. Yeah. No one, like, you know, I, I was kind of like Yama's path where, you know, I worked in an industry all my life or most of my life. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to leave and chase my dream. And I've done it. So like, that's one avenue. Then you went to school and you learned traditionally. So, you know, everybody has their own path. And it's the yeah. same when it comes to your artwork on ArtStation. You could sit on ArtStation all day and nearly every single image you click on, everybody has different styles. So, you know, again, we talked about with Shadi where you could people like TB Choi. And Choi was like, I'm going to draw characters. I'm not going to do anything else. This is what I want to do. I'm going to be really fucking good at anatomy and and, uh, and make that like my, my niche, my thing. And the career she's carved out for herself now is incredible. So, I mean, you've, def- you've just got to find your voice as yeah. an artist, which I think is like the hardest thing initially because there's so many conversations on how do I find my style or how do I find my voice? And it just takes time and doing the work because you have to not only find what you love, but also what you don't love, what you don't enjoy doing. That's also a big part of it. Very true, man. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's a great kind of image or, or, or end goal, I think, for us to, to to wrap up the conversation because it has been so involved. I mean, I always love these when we get into these conversations, Dan, you, you know, I feel like we could talk another two to three hours exactly, you know, just man. on the art industry in general and finding your voice i mean it's such a deep conversation to have with people yeah um, yeah but um but yeah um we'll, we'll probably we might try and get you back on at one point we're doing a thing now where we're getting people back on at different points so it would be great to maybe have you back on but yeah sure um i'm always yeah man. yeah man it's always a pleasure cool um so yeah just thanks to you for coming on and giving up your time Dana, thank you guys is... for for taking your time for listening thank you for having yeah. me yeah appreciate it yeah of course, of course. Um, so yeah, for the guys who are listening out there, um, thanks again for tuning in and, and listening to the conversation. Um, if you have any questions for Donna or you want any feedback or even just to talk to him in general, I'll leave all the social links below. You can awesome. get in contact with him. Um, and then yeah, thanks again for listening. Um, stay tuned. We've got a couple of more guests coming up as always. We've got some really good guys lined up uh, just around the bend. And uh, if you could leave a comment, uh, a like, or, or subscribe, it always helps the channel out or share it with your friends. Um, wherever you're listening, you are on multiple different places. You know, all most podcast services around the world. Um, we also have a YouTube channel where we put video versions of this up, where you can see Danner's work for if you want to see um, what he's been producing for Last of Us. Um, and, and and yeah, just to stick about. Um, thanks again to Danner for coming on, and thanks thank you guys for having me, man. Indeed, and. Uh, We'll catch you guys later. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Bye, guys. Cheers. Bye.